Good afternoon, everyone. It is Saturday, October 1st, 2022, and it is the first day of Blade Month, and we are going into the history of the Daywalker himself, starting off with my graphic novel, Marvel Masterworks Tomb of Dracula, Volume 1. Yep, this is where Blade started. And we're going to kick it off with the first two issues of Tomb of Dracula. And the first issue was written by Jerry Conway. He wrote the first two issues, issues number one and two. And Gene Cullen was the inker from in the first 11 issues as well. You know, he's always been the uh, the artist for it. And Marv Wolfman did not take over until um, issue number seven, where he became the head writer. And, you know, they went through a lot of uh, writers, um, you know, for this particular comic. And, and of course, uh, eventually they settled on uh, Marv Wolfman. And... Um, and of course, Tomb of Dracula came out in 1972, April of 1972, and Blade made his debut in issue number 10. And Marv Wolfman was the one who actually created Blade. And here's what he had to say about creating Blade right here in one of the introductions. Uh, there's one introduction in the book by Roy Thomas, and there's also one by Marv Wolfman. Um, going to it right now. And here it is. About Blade. Over the decades, a lot of folks have asked me about Blade's origin, including Wesley Snipes when I met him on the set of the first Blade movie. Which, to answer yet another question I always get, I really liked a lot. But for some reason, I'm always asked if Blade was originally designed to be black, or if that was some sort of afterthought. I guess it was unusual to have a black hero back then. So many just assumed his being black was an afterthought. But no, it wasn't. Blade was black from the very first image I had of him. I mean, why not? I went to high school of art and design in Manhattan, and because the students came from all over New York City instead of just from the local neighborhood, my classes were filled with kids and teachers of different races and ethnic backgrounds. Our classes were diverse from day one, and why wouldn't it be? So the natural question to ask is, why shouldn't a cast of comic book characters be as diverse as the real world that was all around me? By adding diversity to comics, everyone knew vampires can be killed with a stake through the heart. But, I thought, wasn't a stake essentially just a knife blade? Dracula's new enemy would use wooden knives that would allow him to fight Dracula from a distance rather than getting too close. Blade's mother was bitten by a vampire while pregnant with Blade, and the vampire blood made him stronger and deadlier than a normal human. Normally, a writer would have had Dracula B 
be the vampire that bit Blade's mom. But I wanted every character in Tomb of Dracula to have their own lives and not just be connected to Dracula by some mutual hate. Having a different vampire be responsible for Blade's origin allowed me to flesh out a larger world. Blade was not just about killing Dracula, although he would if given the chance. Blade would have, have his own mission, his own reasons for being as all the other characters. Blade also had his own life outside of killing vampires. He had a living girlfriend and theirs was a relationship we treated like a real relationship between adults. And then he also goes on to say, Blade was one of only two characters I've created who literally came to me in seconds. Blade was the first, from clothing to goggles to how he spoke. I knew everything about him the moment he was conceived. The other character who came to me full-blown like that was Deathstroke at DC. Although I had described to Gene Cullen what Blade should look like, his designs blew me away. He 100% caught everything about him. Under Gene Cullen's masterful pencil, Blade was a character who totally came to life. So, there you go. Marv Wolfman in his own words on how he created Blade. So now, without further ado, we are going to get into issues number one and two of Tomb of Dracula by Gene Colon. And we also have some background music. Yep, a little background music here to set the mood. So without further ado, here we go. The Tomb of Dracula. Night of the Vampire. Hours have passed since the storm began, long hours since the last light of day cast, webbing of shadow over the craggy hillside. Everywhere there is rain, an oppressive rain that seems to swallow all sound and replace those normal sounds of twilight with a kind of hollow echo. An echo? Yeah. An echo of many things, of other times in the same place of other men, and other eyes, of one man. A man become legend, a man whose name is whispered by these very hill people, a man whose name is Dracula. In this night, there is a stench of death, of things long past living. But it is a stench, quickly lost, consumed as all things are consumed, by the seemingly endless, seemingly internal rain. 
Now listen. Strain to hear beneath that ageless torrent. Strain to hear a less regular sound than the refugious roar of rain. The sound of a faltering engine. The sound of a nightmare's birth. Time has departed. This scene washed from tired minds by the endless pattering upon the jeep's canvas roof for the three of them. There's only gray, formless moving gray. Ours is a privilege, the privilege of watching fate's mach machinations. Frank Drake grows silent, considering the twist and curves of destiny that have brought him to this mountain road, to this tiny country. Finally, he sighs and begins to move. Please, Frank, we'd better stop somewhere and ask directions. It's been hours since we left the airport. I don't, but I do, Clifton. You'll just have to trust me. Somehow I know this road. Now I can't get lost. The castle's up ahead. A mile. It can't be more. Frankie, the car! Some sort of ditch ahead. Can't avoid it. Look out! <laughs> Fine. Just fine. So much for rented jeeps. We'll have to walk back a ways to that village we pass. Think you can make it, Jeannie? Y yes, Frankie. Well, while you're in, while you're in a planning mood, Frank, are there any other detours the rest of us should know? About, you've been so familiar with the roll, road and all. Cut it, Clifton. This may be your idea, but it's not your show. I make the comments and criticisms. Understand? Sure, Frank. Sure, you're the brain boy in this team-up, right? Yeah, you're the one... You're the one who wanted to sell the blasted castle, remember? Yeah, real bright, Frankie boy. Don't let me slow you down, lover man. I'm sorry, Jeannie. Ever since we left London, Clifton's been acting strange. And we both know why, don't we, Frankie? It's all my fault for coming along. I used to... I mean, it's all my fault for coming along. I used to be his girl... And he can't take my being with you. Drake doesn't answer. Painfully, he knows that what she says is true. While in that village mentioned before, don't don't like it. His family should never have kept that hellish castle. Only sorrow can come of it, I'm sure. Only sorrow can come of you, Fritz. You never smile, you never laugh. 
always you think of gloom. I like the sound of this Frank Drake's name. Perhaps he will bring life to our little town, as well as life to that barren castle. His letter spoke of Taurus, and if it means what I think, we're all to be rich. Outside the wind moans through the empty streets following the path over cobbled lanes that Drake and his companions have taken from their abandoned car. The wind is a wet one, yet even in its soaking cold, it seems to speak to Drake's ready ear. And if it, and if speak it does, it says, Go back, Frank Drake. Leave your ambitions of new fortune. Go back. And if it, and if it speak it does, Frank Drake does not hear. The Baron's Inn. Is there a man here named Bra named Bridgetstead? My name is Drake. And the tavern grows quiet. Faces turn toward the three newcomers, face filled with sudden suspicion. And yes, fear. I am Bridgester. Here, Drake. Let me welcome you to Transylvania. You have a car with you? No. That would be convenient, yes. Then I suppose you wish transportation to the castle. Oh, sorry, read that wrong. You have a car with you, no? Then I suppose that would then I suppose you wish transportation to the castle. That would be convenient, yes. There are several here who own carriages here, Drake. Is there anyone... Oh, yeah. Is there anyone here with a carriage? There are several here who own carriages here, Drake. There is none who will take you. Don't tell me you're afraid. Didn't that go out with Bram Stoker? Here, Stoker told the truth, in part. We wish you no harm, but we will not aid you. Speak for your... Yourself, future. If that... I'm sorry, I'll make it worth your while, friend. Speak for yourself, Bridget. If the fare is good here, Drake, then come before I change my mind. Watch out for Otto here, Drake. His mind fills only with figures. A worthy enough occupation, I'm sure, but one that cannot bring you to any good. And Fritz isn't it amusing how I've taken your side? Next, I'll be going to church. And Drake leaves silently. Silently. Leading his fellows to the carriage, his mind working over the barmaid's words. A silly fool, that girl. Here, Drake. Her mouth 
runs full of lies. Do you people really believe in the legend? The legend of Dracula? Believe? That is hard to say here, Drake. It is fact that the Count existed, but that he was a vampire. I hardly give credence myself, though there are many that do. For there are many who bear, who, I mean, who bar their window at night and set a wreath of wolf's bane at their door. And many more who wear a blessed crucifix about their necks. Religion? Perhaps. Some would call it fear. But I, sir? No. I don't believe. Tis all the stuff of superstition. Stuff brave Men give no hold. No, sir. This is as far as I go. The castle is yonder, but a short walk, as you can rightfully see. No fear, Otto. Tell me more about your bravery. Please, Frank, let's not argue with him. The girl is right, sir. Twill do you no good. Even a brave man knows not to be a fool. Sure, sure, pal. Don't do us any favors, okay? Handsome, pay attention, Clifton. He's taken us this far, at least. I suppose we should be grateful. Mud sloshes above the heel of his boot. Cold against his leg. Drake becomes slowly aware of the discomfort he's put Jean through. He wants to speak to her and can't. There goes ten bucks American. That just about cleans out my bankroll, Frankie. Lad, this castle better be as much of a tourist attraction as that old book paints it to be. Otherwise, we're broke. Drake barely hears him. His mind is elsewhere, lost in memory. Even the peeling thunder doesn't reach him. Nothing reaches him. Even the most obvious of sudden betrayals. His mind floods with images, golden images, emblazoned on a night black background. Jeannie, Frank's in another world. Now it's time for you and me to make up. You know what I mean? Please, Clifton. It's over between us. It's been over for months. I don't love you anymore. I can't... Why can't you see that? Accept it. Why? And suddenly... A flare... I was like, skip one. Dracula. Castle Dracula. And suddenly, a flare of lightning illumines the graveyard, framing the tombstones in stark silhouettes. And Drink recalls how it all began for him. He recalls it all. How he met Clifton and Jean. How he and Jenny fell in love. And how Clifton took it so well. Or how he seemed to have taken it 
well. Drake knew he could never really trust Clifton Graves. Knew he'd always have to watch that man most carefully. So much money. All the money I'd ever have needed. Funny how quickly you can blow a million bucks. Took my father a lifetime to make it. Took me three years to lose it. Must be a record in there somewhere. But still, Clifton was his friend. Had proven that relation, that friendship by staying beside him, Drake, when things had gone wrong. Drake remembered all clearly. Remembered the entire terrible summer. Jeannie. Stay with you? Of course I will, Frankie. I love you. Not the money you had. Thank you, honey. Maybe this way I'll swim topside somehow. Mm. Now that's what I mean. And maybe he would have. If he had a little help from his friends. Alone? Sorry, Frank, but you have to face it. You're just a bad critic, Risk. Even between friends, Danny? Even after all I did for you? Friendship doesn't pay back interest, Frankie. I'm sorry. Paul? No time to talk, old pal. Sure, Paul. What are friends for? See you at the club Friday, maybe. Real tough, Frank. But I could have told you it happened. Some people just don't hack it when you're down and out. But you kind of know that, don't you? Know what? Clifton, I've lived it. It's really sort of a funny in a way. A month ago, those clods clustered around me like pigeons around a handful of breadcrumbs. Now, I can't even get a loan because all I've got for collateral is an old castle. Funny, you know, real funny. Well, look, I've got to be castle? Sure, it's been passed down through generations since we changed our name to Drake and left the old country. Dad tried to sell the blasted thing, somehow couldn't find a buyer. Maybe he didn't try as hard as I'm going to. Hold it, Frank. Tell me more about this. About this babe. Got a book on it here. A diary of sorts. Hey, you never knew, did you? I never told you. Well, ready yourself, Clifton. The family name used to be Dracula. Like in the movies? Are you for real? Like it or not? Yes. Fantastic. According to this, that dude, Dracula, really did exist. And you, friend, are a direct descendant. And you know what this means? It means I've got a castle in Transylvania I don't know what to do with. Big deal. Wrong, friend. It means you've got a gold mine. Dig it? A direct line with the original Count Dracula and the castle built by the Count himself. Ready-made tourist industry. Drake or Dracula, you're on the way back in.
What? Don't what? Me? Study this blasted book. Frank, this is a passport, babe. Back to that good life for both of us. Read it. Read it. And he did. And he poured over those time-yelled pages. Drake found stirring in his breast. The stirring of some ancestral memory. It's odd. I can see almost... I, I can almost see him. A tall, gaunt man. His eyes like obstinate stones. Dracula. Count Dracula. After three dozen pages, the entries changed, written now in the script of a younger man named Dracula's grandson. And still, another hand, that of a man named Van Helfer. Time passed for Frank Drake. Time passed slowly until... Can't get it out of my head. I keep seeing him lying there, sleeping that stake. Yeah, I noticed you were somewhat shook up. Have you thought about that idea about turning the castle into a museum and making yourself its proprietor? Nothing but. All right, Clifton, we'll do it. And, and don't say no, again, if you must go on this, this crazy journey, then I'm coming with you, period. Sure, Dom, sure. And not once did Drake wondered why was Clifton so helpful. After all, Drake had done to him. Now it's too late to wonder. The sky peels open amidst a golden glare of lightning. And, in the sudden brilliance, they see the castle. This is it, Frankie boy. Homecoming. Doesn't it sort of choke you up? Shut up, Clifton. I'm getting to the point where I can't stand the sound of your weaseling voice. I'm sorry, Clifton. Please, just let me think. Let me get used to it. Homecoming? In a strange way, that's true. That's very true. Sure, Frank. No harm meant, and none taken. But Frank Drake doesn't answer. Once more, his thoughts are lost, as he searches the depths of his now-troubled soul, wondering if perhaps there's more to the Dracula legend than mere fantasy, wondering, in fact, if there's not something personal in that castle for Frank Drake to fear. Very quietly, he leads them through the forest of wind-beating beaten stones, his feet clacking softly on the rain-washed flagstone path. Why do I feel this way? As though every pillar, every wall were familiar. Something I've been... Something I've seen before even the sounds even the distance fading echoes are right i know those sounds 
I know those walls. This castle. I know this castle. Frankie, are you, are you all right? He seems so far from me. I need his arms around me, need him to hold me. And yet he doesn't seem to know I'm here. Frankie, I love you. Don't shut me out. I need you. Both minds are closed to each other. The thoughts of both are hidden, and so neither knows the desperate way wanting of the other. And the two who should be one are alone. Alone save for the barely audible drip of water in the distance. And a sudden gentle rustling. Softly at first, then with the increasing loudness, that rustling builds sounds like the crickling autumn leaves, then like something more, something leathery, something quite powerful, something deadly. Frankie, do, do, do you hear anything? Frankie, that sound, it sounds like bats! <laughs> His scene. His seeming trance broken, Drake moves. Get down, Jenny, get down. Cover your eyes, keep them away for your eyes. Frankie, oh please, don't let them. Gone, Lord. Bats, can't stand them. Filthy, shut, Clifton. Honey, are you okay? They didn't hurt me? No, I'm all right. I just, I just want to get out of here, out of this entire country. She steps away from him, moving into a pool of soft yellow light, her thoughts racing. I, I wish I never heard of Castle Dracula or of this mad country. Everything seems stranger here, even the things I thought I used to know, even Frankie. When he gave me this silver compact, it was as though he'd given me all he owned. Now he's changed in a way. I don't know him anymore. And even as the trio separates, one of them makes a move on his own. Lord, what a pair. How could I ever have fallen for that dumb broad? Think she can cool things off just like that? Well, she's got another thing coming. I've been playing this whole deal ever since I first saw that book and I'm not holy crud the floor is giving away and I'm falling over as quickly as it began the fall ends short feet below in a well of feeded darkness cripes luckily I didn't snap my leg where the heck am I Anyway, Deeds didn't say anything about a dungeon. Whoa, Cliff, old boy. Hang in there for a second. Looks like you've found the proverbial pot at the end of the rainbow. Unless I miss my guess, this here's the tomb. In which case, Mr. Graves, you're going to cash in even better than you expected. That fool Frankie. I'll serve him. They'll serve him right when I take the girl, the castle, and his crummy life. I. What's that? Fantastic. It's the old boy's crypt.
then suddenly the dreams begin to crumble as Clifton's hand brushes the bronze bat emblem and the stone walls move. Wee! All sorts of hinges move this thing. It's like a bargain basement horror house. Now, let's just see what old Clifton can find inside. His footsteps are soft and hesitant, and he gropes before himself in the pitch blackness. Then his outstretched hand touches a cobwebbed candle burn. He strikes another match, and the room is lit. Careful, Cliffy. This babe looks like the real McCoy. And if it truly is, then your days of social bumming are over. Because there's only one cat who can be inside. Dracula! That seals it, Mr. Graves. He's got the legendary stake, the whole bit. The poor mad fool must have been really wacko to convince all those clowns he was a vampire. A real megalomanic. Well, Cliff. It's not for you to judge a loony bird. Nope. You've got other things to do. Like arranging a slight accident. One that will set you up as the sole proprietor of this mansion. And remove a certain obstacle to a young lady's affection. She's rich too, you know. He leaves quickly. And so, he doesn't seem unbelievably occur behind him as a strange glistening begins in the dusty coffin a coming together of ancient mists of long disparate ash he doesn't see the returning features released from the limbo to which the ceiling stake had condemned him he doesn't see that dracula lives again huh that wrestling sound no! The years have been long, and I am weary of them. I yearned for those things for which once I lived. The clouds across a glowing, a glowing moon, the baying of night's chills, and most of all, I yearned for that most pleasing taste, the sweet nectar of life itself. His mind shattered with blistering fear. Clifton strikes up blindly. The gun he smuggled through customs, barking out wildly like chain lightning. <sighs> but to no effect. Clifton's words are lost in frustrating sobbing. And then the sleek, black-haired man steps forward and strikes. <sighs> I have no time for struggling. And so you will join the others far below. Ah! Where you will wait with them for that moment. When I summon you, eh? It appears my castle is no longer deserted. I hear voices from the floors above. And no, I mean, and one of the voices is a woman's. Are you sure, Jean? Don't be silly, Frankie. Of course I am. Clifton came down this way. I saw him running. 
Wait. What is it, honey? There's a hole in the flooring, and it's flesh. Clint must have fallen through. Now, Jeannie, we can't be certain of that. You better come away from... No. Frankie. It's a bat. Keep it away. Frankie, keep it away. <sighs> he might find that difficult, my dear woman. For this is not just any bat. No. Not an ordinary night-flying demon. Something very special. Something that is someone. Frankie. Someone who is. Dracula. The moonlight seems to catch in the pools of his eyes and to flicker and dance, twisting in the ancient shadows as... Come. Come, my dear. Come to me. Don't listen. Don't listen to him. Genie, I can't believe it, but it's true. That's Count Dracula. And there's something about his eyes. Genie, don't try to stop me, Frank. I must go to him. No! He managed to hypnotize you in some way with those damnable eyes of his. It's just like they claimed in the legend. All those insane stories weren't lies. There are vampires. And Lord help us. One of them's alive. But maybe we've got a chance. Those talks about silver. You're a clever man, intruder. That silver compactor betrays me. I cannot remain. But this I promise you. Foul daylighter. Dracula is not so easily dispatched for long. Gone. The silver in the compact must have... No, there's no time to think about that. Clifton must be dead. And Jeannie's close to dying. Even as Drake carries his fiancée's limp form up ill-lit stairs, his thoughts go outward to a dark, fluttering figure that even now must search for sustenance, and searching finds the village. Things have changed in the hundred years he slept. There are new towns, folks, new women, and yet all is somehow the same. Who? <coughs> somehow terribly the same. The bear maid falls quickly. Her knees giving way as she faints. Her last conscious sight. The form of a creature called Dracula. Soon, torchlight fills the town square. And a harsh voice bellows angrily. Dead. It begins again. Look. Need you all look. Can't you see the wounds? The markings of a vampire. Them? It must have been the three, I think. They went to the castle, and now the girl is dead. You mean Herr Drake? Of course. He must have woken Dracula. Quickly, the people gather primal fears, driving them to clock together, dim hatred giving rise to their cry. To the castle, we must 
go to the castle. Unaware of the seething cauldron the town has become, Dracula returns to his Craigtop air, his bat shape melting, a new appetite returning to his beast. The girl, the one from the town, seemed corrupt. She was bitter with petty evil. Ah, but this one, but her skin is fresh, her soul untouched by hatred claws. Her taste will be warm, a fitting repast for he who shall be her king. Stepping into the room, he fails to notice the faint glimmer of gold about her neck. Now a tingling grows within his veins, in his eyes, like twin sores begin to burn, fingers twitching. He moves forward and stops, his body wrenched by the sight which greets him. No! A crucifix hadst take them who dared. I dared, Count. You! Who are you, mortal, that you think you're so fit to fight me here? My name's Frank, Frank Drake, Count. It used to be Dracula. So! That's right. So, I inherited this castle from my father, but I never, but I never really believed the legends of my family until now. Don't try to touch her, Dracula. I'd have to kill you. Ah, uh, and how would you propose to do that to my friend? With a wooden stake? No, Count, with this. I know all the superstitions, how silver snaps some hidden weaknesses within you, and most of all, how you can't stand the sight of a mirror. Lips peel, back bearing yellow stained fangs, and Dracula snarls. Cousin, you fool, you are a fool. The blood of Dracula runs in your veins. Someday the curse will visit you as well, and you Drake shall live with death. That burns it, buddy. Maybe I am a descendant of yours, but you were bitten, Count. And frankly, that's one thing I'm planning to avoid. Whack. Idiot. Did you really think that compact would destroy me? You sealed your end, my friend. For whoever strikes Dracula strikes death. Her eyes open blink against darkness. She shifts aware of sounds from the room behind her. A sickening thud. And then, at last, my dear, it seems we are alone. Frank! Far below, capped heads look skyward. Necks crane and eyes narrow. The scream fades off, and the men hasten their pace to the castle. To the castle! And amidst the gray shadows, a hand flicks out fingers darting the girl's stares, and slowly her eyes go blank. There, my darling, there. Remove that hated bubble. Remove it. <laughs> she hesitates only a moment, her arm trembling as she walks to the window. For an instant, the cross sparkles in the moonlight. Then it falls. 
What's this? A crucifix. It fell from the window. Friends, perhaps we are too late. Booted feet pound moss, slickened stone, shoulders slam against wooden doors. Voices raised in fury, torches flickering and diving in the blackness. The villagers enter the night black castle and with maddened frenzy put it to flame. While in the dusty attic room above, my head spitting. Dracula must have thought me dead. Wait, what's he? Jenny! His bloody, I mean his body moves blindly, almost without thought, and instantly moves well. That blasted compact, you catch me. Unawares, cousin. Very well, I leave. Since this place is doomed to, to burn. Smoke waters his eyes, stings his nostrils like a man in a trance. He lifts Jenny's still body and staggers, almost falling out, outside. It's over now. He's gone. Dracula's gone. Silently they leave. They have nothing to do with a man who wakes demons. A man soon come to grief. Jenny. No. I came too late. She's dead. Dead. Then, at his feet, something rustles. Cloth against cloth. Drink looks, and a chill cuts through to his bones. Frankie. Frankie. Don't cry. I am not dead. You see, I'm not. When you're bitten by a vampire, you don't die. You never die. Never. Laughing, she moves to her feet, and for the first time, Drake sees the looming bat and knows that he's lost her, and perhaps forever gained a demon's curse. And that is the end of issue number one. So now we're going to get into issue number two. The Tomb of Dracula. A shrill scream splits in the air in London at midnight. Who stole my coffin? The fear within. Nightmare. Sole descendant of the legendary Count, you've crossed an ocean and a continent to find this hidden land. Frank Drake. And here, in the ruins of the thrice-damned castle of Dracula, you seek the answer to the question which most painfully sears your heart. Where is she? Do you know Gort? Can you even answer? Has he succeeded in escaping me? Or do I still have a chance to gain my revenge? Or my newfound friend 
Are you as dumb as those fear-scathed bats? But your only response is the sigh of the cold moor wind. It doesn't really matter, does it? I hired you for your hands, not for your mind. I'll do the thinking for both of us, my friend. For me, it comes easily. For after all, all I have ever have, my memories. And those memories burn stinging your eyes almost as much as the heat from your hand held lantern. A lantern whose light but barely exposes the extent of the damage the villagers wrought when they put the castle to flame. By its light, you descend into the castle deeper, into the clammy darkness with each furtive step, until finally you reach a crumbling passageway. And there, you see what you've come so far to find. Gort, this is it. The tomb of Dracula. The door is partially open. With a surge of sudden excitement, you throw yourself against it. And disorder within only science. silence. He's been here, Gort. Who else could have lit those candles? Unless I'm grossly mistaken, this is Dracula's hideous coffin. Your mind reels back, back along the corridors of remembrance, back through the terrors of the past few weeks. You recall your sudden bankruptcy, the helpless knowledge of seeming totally defeat. You remember a friend named Clifton, your finances, a former, uh, your fiance's former lover. You remember how Jeannie refused to stay in New York. How the three of you came hundreds of miles through a bitter storm until, and more, you remember Clifton's abrupt disappearance, and moments later, the coming of Dracula. You remember it all, how you struggled and fell, how Jeannie died at the Count's hands, but died in a way of a vampire, an eternity of living death. And in turny forever obedient to Dracula. No! There's got to be a way to save her. I won't let it end like this. And then you hear the sound. Help me! Gord, that trap door. Me. Somebody help me! That sounds like Clifton. Clifton, are you all right? All right. Frank, is it you? Lord, man, get me out of here. I, I feel like I'm going mad. Grab the end of that rope, Clifton. Gord, help me pull him up. Must have, must have been there for a few days. With, with those skeletons, Dracula. Threw me there. Must have thought the others were still alive. Oh, Lord. Lord, take it easy, Clifton. Did you say yes, Frank? 
Dracula. He was awake when I got here. I tried to stop him, but he came at me, nearly killed me. He must have kept that pit full of people, people to use when he grew thirsty. But you're... But you're not listening. What are you doing with his coffin? Calm down, Clifton. He's not here now. And as for his casket, we're stealing it. And what of the Knight's Kingdom, Count? Scant yards away, midst of the swirling fog, in midst of the nearby lowland, the oppressive silence is broken by the patter of running feet male feet, the harsh rush of breath, the thrust of the village girl's frightened scream. A scream that has barely begun <laughs> before it's broken. Me and God. Here, Doctor. What in the name of heaven? A scream, my friend. I'm afraid the nightmare begins anew. Then it is true, the others were not lying. The Count has returned after years, many years of peace. Dear Doctor, you will forgive me. The pain in my back is no longer so great. But Fritz, please wait. I am sorry, Doctor von Harbour, but I must return to my family. Their safety is more important than my health, as you will, Fritz. But please return tomorrow. The little man does not reply. For a moment, Von Harbour stands staring out the fog-grinned window. Then, as he begins to turn away, his patient's receding form is replaced by the approaching specter of Dracula. He comes in this direction. Can it be that he remembers, even after so many years, have past. He sees me. I must. Von Humbler, attend me. Attend me, old friend, as you did as my servant. As you did what seems like ages ago. As always, my Count, I am yours. Why else would I come to my faithful friend, one who was but a child when he served me? Enough. There are things to be done. The years have not been kind to me, old friend. There remains an unearthly pallor to the cast of my skin, a paleness gained by those long years spent in tears. An affliction you may yet relive, dearest Carl, and we leave at once. And soon, after hours of experimentation and final operation, there rings grim laughter in von Herber's humble cottage. Excellent, von Herber. But for a few remaining disabilities, I could pass for one of you weakling mortals. You are pleased, my count. Quite, Carl. You've done a fine job. 
considering the problems you were unable to overcome, such as the cursed lack of reflection, then you are done with me, my count? Done. Not just yet, I'm afraid. There remains the matter of retribution. Retribution? I do not understand. Don't you, Carl? Did you think I would forget what you did those many years ago? Count, I was but a boy. Yes, a boy, Bun. Harper, the very boy who betrayed me to my killers. You deserve a reward for your actions this night, my friend. And for your deeds that eve so many nights ago. Even as the fear-crazed scream fades and the struggling forms drops to the shadow cottage floor. Let us turn to limey London in a day yet a fortnight await when don't like it. Frank, what if customs officials want to examine Dracula's coffin? Please, Clifton, give me credit. After managing to sell the castle and surrounding lands, I've got more than enough money to assure their quiet compliance. And Dracula, Frank? We'll deal with the Count soon enough. I'm sure of it. Hours later, as Drake prepares for an evening's rest in the comparative calm of his hotel suite, a sudden sound disturbs the brewing silence. Odd. Clinton's not due back for another hour, yet, if it is Clinton, nothing out of the ordinary, and yet, there's something moving behind that curtain. Easy, Frank, easy. Slowly, a tremor in his hand, betraying his inner insecurity, Drake steps carefully forward. His hand flicks out, every primal nerve screaming its instant fear. In a blare of motion, the certain sweeps back, revealing in the sudden glare of brutal light. Jenny! It's true, Frank. I'm alive. I'm alive, and I've returned to you, Frank. I've come back. Without thinking, he pulls her to him, feeling her hands touch his shoulder, feeling the icy burning of her grasp. In that first, almost fatal moment, he remembers, and he knows. You're not Jean. Not my Jean. No. She did die, and now she's something else. A vampire. No, Frankie. You can't believe that. It's not true. You can touch me. You can feel me. Stop it, blast you! I'm not going to listen to your lies. You're not going to trap me as Dracula's trapped you. Hey, Frankie boy. What's all the yelling for? Clifton, where have you? Oh, Lord, no. You incredible fool. Frankie, is it Clifton? Hey, Jenny. Hey, girl. Where you been? Where? Did you go? Where'd you go away? Cut, Cut it, Clifton. This isn't Jean. Can't you see that? What's the joke, Frankie? Sure, it's Jean. Little old Jean. I know her for sure. Clifton, tell him who I am. 
He doesn't believe me, Clifton. He doesn't understand. Look at her eyes, Clifton. Is that Ginny? Is it? And this? Clifton. With a gene? We know, back away from a simple crucifix? Clifton, you can't believe him. Does he have a... Choice, Gene? He has to face it, as I have. You're a vampire. No! It appears my lady has countered difficulties. Yet, I have a certain faith in our plan, and in the naivety of the one called Clifton Grace. Yes, all shall go well this evening. But now, I need to replenish my energies, and perhaps I see the means to that most desirable end. Yes, perhaps I do, indeed. Striding a short distance behind the graceful girl who's caught his eye, Dracula allows his mind to wander, to drift back along the lanes of memory. Perhaps he recalls other adventures in this fog-enwrapped city, leagues from his native soil. Yet, if he does, can he ever recall a time when danger placed him so near behind him? Perhaps a moment to spare, dear lady, a moment for a stranger to your land. Oi, a moment won't hurt if you buy the beer. But of course, my dear, one could hardly remain a gentleman and do otherwise. I like your style, Guy. There aren't many blokes who pay a lady's tab these days. Have you have a name, love? Yes. You may call me Drake. Strange. This girl reminds me of another of her kind, a common barmaid in my native village. Most strange to remember one like her. But before the Count's using thoughts can go further to examine mayhap the nature of his new motion. Oi, mate, what's the idea of sitting with me girl? Beat it afore I give you an arm a little twist, eh? I beg your pardon. Eh, Bart, where's your blinking manners? Manners, is it? And what sort of manners is it to steal a man's bird? I said beat it, fancy face. I'm afraid your crude histrionics do not impress me, sir. Will you kindly remove yourself? Remove? Look here, mate. I've been a meat patient with you. I am... Only that, because I don't want a little Ellie to catch a sight of no blood. Please, Bart, don't you see he's a gentleman? My dear girl, even a gentleman can only take so much. And now, <laughs> I believe I've had enough. You just hit him. Bart, he's fought professionals, and you... You just hit him. Quite. Now, if you've no objections, there's something I'd like to show you. Behind him, the whispers begin, as they always have, as they always will. Soon, 
in a dim light street, a few blocks from the non-somber tavern. The sounds of a scuffle are shattered by a scream. A scream which fades and finally dies. The Count pauses over his prey, his ears detecting the pad of running feet. But by the time the men from the tavern arrive, it is already far too late. Go! It is the fancy-dressed one with Ellie. Oh, Lord. Oh, God, Lord! He's, he's changing, becoming some sort of a bot. Bot, look at it, Ellie. Look at it, poor Ellie. And as the men rush forward, the transformed Count Dracula drifts lazily up, upward through the moist London sky toward a certain dark hotel. In a rented suite directly above Frank Drake's. My dear cousin must take me for a fool. Stealing my sacred coffin was indeed an inconvenience to me, but hardly fatal. For it's the wood which matters, but the Transylvanian earth which fills my morning sapphire. And yet the coffin would be mine, because mine is the plan which cannot fail. Even now, the girl which called Jean must be gaining subtle control over the old two mortal Clifton Greys, and when she succeeds, the girl is mine. But Clifton... Isn't it obvious? Frank's insane. The strain of what's happened to me. It's done something to his mind. I'm still the same inside, Clifton, no matter what I am. And I realize now that it's you I've loved all along. Me? You mean that? Of course. The mirror. She has no reflection. What Frank said is true. She's a vampire. It's my fault because I was the one who released Count Dracula. Yet. Yet, what does it matter? She says she loves me. Has always loved me. And that's all I ever wanted, isn't it? Isn't it? And soon. Here's that coffee you wanted, Frank. Afraid it's not very good. Just so long as it keeps me awake. After all, it wouldn't do... Due to be sleeping, if our dear friend the Count should... Clifton, you're right. It's not very good. Wait. Everything's spinning. Coffee. Drugged. Excellent, Gene. You've handled Clifton Graves superbly. Everything will be okay now, Gene. You'll see. He's under complete hypnosis, and it... Isn't even aware he's being controlled. All okay. Laughter echoes in the confines of the sweet, grim, and hollow. The echo of unliving things. The eternal mockery of all that is real. Yet, as the triumphant trio enter the next room in search of the Count's perloid casket. All is not quite what it seems in the darkness behind them. For brief moments later... The sound of an opening door disrupts all reveal. Dear Clifton, dear, dear fool. Jeannie, come just the smallest bit closer, my darling. Let me kiss you. No! I don't know what 
sort of spell you've got him under. But maybe something like this can make that poor idiot see reason. Reason? My love, reason has nothing to do with it. Kill him, Clifton! Kill him! It's no good. The cross doesn't affect Clifton. And it's too far away from Dracula or Jean. Only one way to handle this. I'm sorry, Clifton, but as the saying goes, you'll thank me for this. I've come too far these past few weeks to let you... You are a cup of drugged coffee come between me and my goal. And if I may presume as much, Frank Drake, I assume that goal is me. With a speed uncanny, a speed inhuman, the dark-haired Count throws himself forward, his fangs bared, his eyes wild, his entire form racked with madness. We could have been allies, you and I. You descended of my blood, perhaps accursed as I am. Yet instead of aiding me, of breaking the age of loneliness, you betrayed me and attacked and attacked. I did what I had to do, and I can't let this nightmare go on. I can't. Yet the words come too slowly and too late. Their twisting forms crash backwards toward the fate, their destiny. Yet, even as the sound of their struggle grow more frantic, Drake's beneath the more grasping with each new blow. Short feet away to the woman called Jean. Tis as though it all happened in another world. For oblivious to the events around her, she begins to bend forward. Her eyes, her entire form, aware of one thing alone. The burning need to feed. And now they are silent. Every fiber in of their respective beings alive with their fever of battle. Like dream. Shapes their shadows dance against the table and wall moving with a seeming Ukraine life. Moving ever closer to death. With a cry of triumph rage one figure lifts the other every muscle nodding and this instant apparent victory. Within the cry, there snarls a muttering voice, but the words are lost to the most bestial inflection, and only the action remains. But be still, my love. Soon we'll be forever joined in that life apart from life. The attorney of living death. Frank! Oh Lord, Frank! Shaking off the fog of momentary unconsciousness, Drake gropes for a weapon, any weapon, and, the, and fate brings to his hand that weapon he most desperately needs and gives him the strength, the very will, to use it. Time seems to hold for one scarlet moment. Her eyes widen in frightened shock her lips open to emit a wailing scream. Ah! And in that moment, Drake realizes what he's done and knows that for him, that moment will last forever. And before a grim reprisal can be made, fate takes another hand. Dawn, I dare stay no longer. Know this, Frank Drake. 
You've won but a battle. In the final analysis, the game is mine. As it always has been, will always will be mine forever. He turns and dives his form, transformed against the salt beginning glimmers of golden sunrise. And as he swoops away, perhaps he hears the moan behind him, a moan of returned awareness. Frank, I'm dying, Frank. The sunlight. Jenny! Heaven, what have I done? Don't, Frankie. Please, don't. It's better this way. I don't hurt anymore. I don't hurt. Drake sinks to his knees, only vaguely conscious of Clifton's broken sobs, the sobs of shattered sanity. His eyes burn, and the soul he understands the full meaning of futility. He realizes only now that intentions take a man just so far. And that there lies the meaning of revenge and the sorrow and agony of grim frustration. Now morning, and for a time at least, the end. And there you go. The first two issues of Tomb of Dracula. And on Monday, I will be doing a reading of issue number three. So make sure you all tune in for that on Monday. And until then, this is Matthew Barris saying, Later, masturbators.